Welcome to our video Bible class. Please have your Bible open to the final chapter in the book of Acts, chapter 28, the final chapter. This is our final class in this New Testament book. We might want to say these last several chapters have been about Paul, but it seems to me Paul might not want us to say that. Paul would want us to say, it is all about Jesus Christ. It is about Christ and him crucified. Paul, to the very end, never lost sight of the Savior and the message to men of salvation and hope. We will see that clearly as we go through the final chapter of the book of Acts. This is Acts chapter 28, starting with your four fast facts. The geographic setting is the island of Malta. Remember, Paul is on his way to Rome. He has appealed to Rome against the false accusations of the Jewish leadership. At this point, Luke is with Paul. Paul repeatedly says, it is because of the hope of Israel that I am wearing this chain, meaning the promise of the Messiah the hope of Israel, Jesus Christ. We will see that again in this class. Let's begin the final chapter in the book of Acts. I'm going to read verses 1 through 10 in Acts chapter 28. After we were brought safely through, we then learned that the island was called Malta. The native people showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and welcomed us all, because it had begun to rain and was cold. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened his hand. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer. Though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. He, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. They were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But when they had waited a long time, and saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds and said he was a god. Now in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the chief man of the island named Publius, who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. It happened that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery, and Paul visited him and prayed, and putting his hands on him, healed him. And when this had taken place, the rest of the people of the island who had diseases also came and were cured. They also honored us greatly, and when we were about to sail, they put on board whatever we needed. As we read the narrative in the book of Acts, there is so much rebellion against the gospel of Christ and persecution, sometimes violence and death. It is a great encouragement 
when you discover good people like these very hospitable people who were native to Malta. They showed Paul and Luke unusual kindness in providing comfort for these strangers who had suffered shipwreck. Something happened while Paul and Luke and the others were around the fire. A viper came out and attached itself to Paul's hand. The natives drew the conclusion that Paul must be a criminal. He escaped from the sea, perhaps he was a murderer, but was now receiving justice through the jaws of this snake. Luke doesn't directly call this a miracle, but his account is that Paul shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. The natives still thought Paul would die, but when that didn't happen, Luke says, they changed their minds and said, he is a god. Through Publius, the hospitality continued. Paul healed his father and others, so Paul and Luke were greatly honored on Malta after the storm. Two good comments I found. About the illness of Publius' father, I found this interesting observation. Malta fever is a malady known in the United States at the present time, caused by drinking infected milk from goats. Then, regarding the conclusion the natives of Malta drew about Paul, someone said, Justice was not catching up with Paul. Quite the contrary, Providence was preserving him. Continuing in Acts 28, verses 11 through 16. After three months, we set sail in a ship that had wintered in the island, the ship of Alexandria, with the twin gods as a figurehead. Putting in at Syracuse, we stayed there for three days, and from there we made a circuit and arrived at Regium. And after one day, a south wind sprang up, and on the second day, we came to Petuli. There we found brothers and were invited to stay with them for seven days. And so we came to Rome. And the brothers there, when they heard about us, came as far as the Forum of Appius and three taverns to meet us. On seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. And when we came into Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who guarded him. Back to the map from Malta, Syracuse, Regium, Petulia, seven days there with Christians, on to Rome, where Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier that guarded him. And we're now at the last part of Acts chapter 28, and the last part of the book, we're reading now 17 through 31. Acts 28, 17 through 31. After three days, he called together the local leaders of the Jews. And when they had gathered, he said to them, Brothers, though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. When they had examined me, they wished to set me at liberty because 
There was no reason for the death penalty in my case. But because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, though I had no charge to bring against my nation. For this reason, therefore, I ask to see you and speak with you, since it is because of the hope of Israel that I'm wearing this chain. And they said to him, We have received no letters from Judea about you, and none of the brothers coming here has reported or spoken any evil about you. But we desire to hear from you what your views are, for with regard to this sect we know that everywhere it is spoken against. When they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in great numbers. From morning till evening he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said, and others disbelieved. And disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul had made one statement the Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say, You will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. He lived there two whole years at his own expense, and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. So Paul arrives in Rome. He is anxious to talk to Jews there. He called the local Jewish leaders together. Paul affirms his innocence on the charges the Jews in Jerusalem and Caesarea brought against him. He explains his situation, and in doing that, there is this statement again. It is because of the hope of Israel that I am wearing this chain. Jesus Christ was the hope of Israel. But the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem had rejected him. That was the basis of their opposition to Paul. Now, notice the response of the Jews to Paul. In verses 21 and 28, verses 21 and 22, I should say. And they said to him, We have received no letters from Judea about you, and none of the brothers coming here has reported or spoken any evil about you, but we desire to hear from you what your views are, or with regard to this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. Interesting. It seems everyone in Judea knew about Paul. 
It seems the Jewish unbelievers had spread the word in their objections to Paul. But here it seems the reports had not reached Rome. I conclude Festus and the Sanhedrin were never able to frame a written indictment for Julius to carry with him. There was a vague idea that circulated that Christians were a sect everywhere spoken against, but nothing specific about Paul. The next thing that happened was many Jews came to Paul to hear from him. He preached the gospel to them. We have good reason to believe while there was already a church in Rome, according to verse 15, this work, this conversation that Paul had with these people added Jewish members. Toward those who did not believe, Paul applied the prophecy of Isaiah. Then he said, therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. Luke then says, Paul lived there in Rome for two years at his own expense with relative freedom. This also argues there was no definite written indictment for the Romans to proceed or that had circulated in the Jewish community. Here's what Paul was doing, verse 31, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Well, I'm loaded with takeaways. I have some quick takeaways from this chapter, and then I have another list of overall takeaways from our study of the book of Acts. First of all, this may seem trivial. It's not the main theme, but significant nevertheless. In verse 3, Paul joined the people in the necessary work of gathering a bundle of sticks. I want us to pause and think about that. He is an apostle of Christ. He is well known in Judea, but he never considered himself above ordinary work and responsibility. He didn't want people to cater to him, to favor him with some sort of elevated status. He did what the others did that was necessary, gathered sticks for the fire. That's impressive to me. I like verse 15, where Luke says, Upon their arrival in Rome, Paul thanked God and took courage. I'll have more to say about this praying element in the Acts narrative later, but Paul here illustrates that trust in God that was ongoing throughout his life as recorded from the time he became a Christian. See, God can fix things even when men go through the world tearing things up. Paul believed God was all-powerful. Isaiah's prophecy from Isaiah chapter 6 bears a closer look for just a moment or two. I want us to notice that Paul says something very simple but crucial when he cites the prophecy of Isaiah. Verse 25, the Holy Spirit was right, and then he gives Isaiah's prophecy. This is in harmony with what we have abundant evidence of, that the prophets of God spoke and wrote as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Now, something else about this prophecy. This prophecy indicates it's possible for people to hear, but not really hear. 
It's possible for people to see, but not really understand, not really see. This is about people who hear the word of God and see the truth of it, but never personally engage in obedience, never apply it, and then wind up resisting it in rebellion. That happened in the time of Isaiah. It happened in the time of Jesus and Paul. Continues to happen today. To guard against that happening to us, we must immediately apply whatever we learn from God's word. Take it to heart and use it. Honor what he says by doing what he says. In verse 28, I'm sorry, in chapter 28, verse 24, verse 24, some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. There you have the prophecy of Isaiah fulfilled, and it's been that way all through the book of Acts, and it's that way today when the gospel is preached. Some are convinced, and they obey the gospel. Some are not convinced. They make the choice to disbelieve and disobey. Hearing, but not really hearing. Seeing, but not really going to what you see and making it real in your life. Concluding our study in the book of Acts this time, I want to go to four lessons Christians today need to take from this part of the New Testament. Four lessons. Christians who were really devoted to God did not quit. As stated in Acts 5.42, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. That's our example. That illustrates the patience, the diligence, the passion we ought to have in delivering the good news to the lost. I always say about the efforts of individual Christians to share the good news, we can do better. Our circumstances in many ways are not the same as the first century, in many ways not the same as last year. Our obligation is the same. Do everything we can to reach people with the gospel. Number two, Christians as represented in the book of Acts, were always diligent to help each other. They were together. They formed local churches. They became acquainted with each other. They worshiped and prayed together, took the Lord's Supper together. They encouraged one another. And again, that illustrates what we ought to be doing today to the best of our ability, even under difficult circumstances. Christians in the book of Acts were opposed, persecuted. Some were killed because of their faith. They endured that difficulty by their faith. For many years, I think we have just assumed that it will never happen here. We have become comfortable with our freedom in this country. We rarely ever hear of a Christian, a member of the Lord's church, killed because of his or her faith, and if we do, it's out somewhere else in a foreign country. That assumption of safety could work against us if we become complacent. We need to be alert. Christians should always be prepared for whatever opposition may come against us, not paranoid, not discouraged or depressed, but prepared and alert. 
You see, I don't want to play into doomsday, alarmist, pessimistic thinking. But I know the situation in our country has shifted and will probably shift even more. At least verbally at this point and through various legal institutions, political powers, there is the presence of opposition to people who believe the Bible. So we cannot be naive. We need to strengthen our faith and pray and be ready for whatever opposition or form of persecution may hit us without being joyless, pessimistic, discouraging. Paul said, all who live godly in Christ will suffer persecution. I don't know what the future holds in this regard. There's not any prophetic blood in my veins. But I know we need to be ready, and I know that we get ready by the activity of our faith, and we never forget that God is with his people. Christians in the book of Acts always knew God was with his people, and they prayed about that often. You remember that prayer very early in the book of Acts, back in chapter 4, 23 to 31. If we can develop that kind of consistent praying, if we can develop ourselves to have this composure of faith, this trust in God, this loyalty to Christ, where we rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice, Paul wrote in Philippians. We can be strong and ready for whatever may happen to us or against us physically or spiritually, and we can keep doing what Paul did, preaching the gospel. Well, that completes our study of the book of Acts. 28 lessons, 28 chapters, about 16 weeks, learning about the early disciples for our application today. May God help us use what we've learned to further develop our faith. Next, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. That video will be available in just a few days. The first video in 1st John chapter 1, available in just a few days. Thank you so much for being a part of these video Bible studies.